0: Hey folks, we'd like to welcome you here to our Miller Christian Church online podcast. We are a Bible-based, non-denominational church located right here in central Nebraska. Along with this podcast, we offer our services through our YouTube channel as well, which can all be found on our website at millerchristianchurch.org. We appreciate you stopping by. Thank you. It's another beautiful day, and I want to thank you for last week. I just love that uh, sunrise service. That was, especially once we got a ride halfway through, worked out good. (laughs) Uh, But, uh, and I'll have to say this, that you guys know how to put on a, a breakfast, And uh, it was good. It was a good day. And every day is a good day, but especially Sundays. Every Sunday we commemorate his resurrection. You know that, don't you? That's why we meet on Sunday. But anyway, it was very special on what we call Resurrection Sunday. Well, I do have a quiz, and I think Doug's going to get this one today. Not to put you on the spot. Are you ready? Ready? What's the matter with you today? Okay, here we go. If I can get all worried. Now. <laughs> What's more useful after it's broken? Come on, Doc. I'm rooting for you. Will you give up today? You guys really need prayer today. I can see it. What? I can't make out what you said. Horse. A horn. A horse. Oh, a horse! Well, that's a good answer. It's not the right one, but how about an egg? You want to moan together now? Mm. Well, I tried, Doug. I tried. I like that answer. I'm going to put down horse too. An egg or a horse. What do you do with a horse that's not broken? All he does is eat hay, right? You stumped me on that one. Okay. That's in case I ask that at at Oak, and they pop off with egg right away, I'll say, no, that's not right. (laughs) Uh, Anyway, turn to Jeremiah, if you will. And listen to me now. This is not a political message. I don't do that. But this is a message about our country. And uh, I, uh, I've worked on this for a little bit. It's, uh, it's very clear to me that our hope is not in politicians. Whether they're Democrat or Republican or independent, that's not where we place our hope. Our hope is in the Lord Jesus Christ, and uh, so we're going to end uh, the service today with a prayer song uh, for our country uh, when we get there, Uh, but it's not hard to see uh, what's happening. I mean, with all the violence and hate in our nation and and get rid of the police movement and tearing down statues and stuff I thought I'd never see. I mean, you know, it's one thing to talk about all the power the government has inserted on the COVID thing, uh, but uh, the finger-pointing, uh, you know, what's happening at the border and different things, all the finger-pointing points everywhere except at the real problem. You may say, well, all the policies of of uh, our government right now are wrong. Well, that may be or may not be. But that's only symptomatic. The real problem is in here. I really believe that God raised up America. There's no question about it. I love my country. My dad served 22 years in the Army. He fought in two wars. He was highly decorated in World War II. And uh, uh, he's, he's had two Purple Hearts, the Silver Star was awarded for him as he was the one of the first four men to land on Normandy uh, amphibiously. The reason I say that is the paratroopers landed way back. but on the beach it's, and that during the night, but on the beach itself, my father and one man took a rubber raft, and another man and a, a two other men took other raft another raft, and they were to swim. The rest of the way, after they cut their raft up about a hundred or two hundred yards offshore and marked the beaches, very dangerous, dangerous. The other two didn't make it. My father did. Obviously, I wouldn't be here. Uh, but uh, I was raised in a very patriotic family, <clears throat> and I love my country. There's, I think, a reason why God. There are reasons why God raised America up. I believe with all my heart that He did. And uh, some of them are. I believe that uh, uh, God raised America up for religious, if you want to call it. I call it spiritual freedom to worship. Uh, you go back to our forefathers and you see that's that's the whole reason why they came over in the first place. And um, also, I think uh, God raised up America to send missionaries, which we've led the world for a long time. I'm not sure we do that anymore. Um, I think uh, South Korea ranks up there. Now I don't know. Uh, God raised up America to send Bibles throughout the world. Do we have any Gideons here that go to this church? Good for you. I think uh, also God raised up America to be a friend to Israel. And I see all four of those things in trouble. tell you the truth. And so today, I don't want you to think of politics. I want you to think of heart. Now Israel had a couple of reasons why God raised them up as a nation. One was to bring us the Word of God. Romans tells us that. Another was to bring our Lord Jesus Christ into the world, the Savior. The king of kings and the Lord of lords. and uh, But there was a dark time in Israel's history. That's why God sent prophet after prophet after prophet. And we're going to look at two prophets today, Isaiah and Jeremiah, just a few things, but especially Isaiah chapter 5. A few things that God gives as a warning. He calls them woes, W-O-E, And they apply to any nation. They also apply to individuals. This isn't just about a country. It's about our own heart. And uh, I have felt very burdened, as many of you have. I know I talked to a couple of you at the breakfast too uh, last week uh, about the condition of things. And uh, so uh, the real problem... I believe is that we have offended a holy God. We have been a Judeo-Christian, ethically built country. Would you agree to that? And there were several dates. 1955 was the first one. The principle of common decency was thrown out the window when all of a sudden we couldn't tell we couldn't tell what was obscene and what was not. And a man named uh hefner came along and and uh did his publishing and and uh things morally went down from there nineteen sixty two when they didn't allow god to uh, you couldn't pray in schools and he got kicked out of the classroom nineteen seventy three when we legalized abortion and when the first state legalized same-sex marriages in 19 was that 1996 I don't know these are key dates and you could see where all these judeo-christian values that made our country great missiles didn't make our country great military uh, you know, might didn't make our country great and all that's fine but what I, what made our country great was the Judeo-Christian values that we were founded on. So with that in mind, we want to, even though these prophecies, did you get your little sheet? Anybody going to criticize the fact that they weren't typed, they were handwritten? You have a criticism, let's hear it now or forever hold your peace. You give me a hard time, you won't get any outlines to follow. No, not really. That sounded like a threat, didn't it? Anyway, even though their prophecies were written primarily for the nation of Israel, they can apply to any nation that mocks the laws of God. So let's look at the situation back then and now, for that matter. In Isaiah chapter 1, I told you to turn to Jeremiah. I forgot about Isaiah chapter 1. In Isaiah chapter 1, in the first two verses, God begins to lay out what happened when when Israel went south. And remember under Solomon's time and David's time and Israel really built up in a wonderful way. And then it began to go downhill. Isaiah chapter 1, verse 1, the vision of Isaiah, the son of Amos, which he saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem in the days of Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah. There were two kings there that were good. The other two weren't. Kings of Judah, hear, O heavens. This is the biggest book of the Bible other than Psalms. But listen how it starts. Hear, O heavens, and give ear, O earth, for the Lord hath spoken. I have nourished and brought up children And they have rebelled against me. The ox knows his owner and the donkey his master's crib. But Israel does not know. My people does not consider. O sinful nation, a people laden with iniquity. A seed of evildoers, children that are corrupt. They have forsaken the Lord. They have provoked the Holy One of Israel to anger. They are gone away backward you get a little more light on that in jeremiah chapter 2 i really encourage you to look these verses up with me jeremiah chapter 2 verse 11 12 and 13 has a nation changed their gods which are yet no gods but my people have changed their glory for that which does not profit Be appalled, O heavens, at this, and be horribly afraid. Be very desolate, saith the Lord. For my people have committed two evils. Number one, they have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, number two, and hewed out cisterns, broken cisterns that can hold no water. And Like I said, it's not just nations individuals can backslide too and this was very dark dark time in uh, Israel's history and they just didn't realize the problem reminds me of this story a young woman went to her doctor complaining of pain where are you hurting asked the doctor i hurt all over said the woman what do you mean all over asked the doctor Be a little more specific. The woman touched her right knee with her index finger and yelled, Oh, that hurts. Then she touched her left cheek and again yelled, Oh, that hurts too. And then she touched her right earlobe. Oh, even that hurts. She cried. The doctor checked her thoughtfully for a moment and told her his diagnosis. He says, Ma'am, you have a broken finger. She didn't realize the problem. Didn't realize the problem. Well, they weren't listening. They were in rebellion and, and they started going down their old path. In fact, Jeremiah six sixteen. he challenged the people. He said, God says, ask for the old paths. What was that good way? But you would not. So. Um that's the situation. Now, Isaiah chapter 5 is where we're going to look at what's called woes, the five woes. Six, six woes. Actually, seeing a, see if this doesn't ring a bell about America, okay? A lot right about America yet. I still like innocent until proven guilty. Not very many nations have that. And there's a lot of other... Freedoms we still have, that's not the issue. The issue is we're going the wrong way, and you know it. Every Christian that has any kind of discernment can see that when we abandon the Judeo-Christian values over this past half a century, like we're doing, and it seems like it's going a lot faster today, anybody with any discernment can tell this is not the direction we want to go as a country. I'll make it. I'm 70 years old, be 71. My kids will make it. Some of them are almost 50. But what about my grandkids? What about my great-grandchildren? I'll I'll be dedicating in the end of May one of my great-grandchildren to the Lord. What kind of country are they going to have when they grow up? And I'm going to leave you with a challenge today, and it's called P-R-A-Y, and I believe and I know that God answers prayer. Anyway, the warning from God in Isaiah chapter 5. Are you ready? you got to answer me. Okay, let's look at several verses. Isaiah 5, 8, the first woe. Woe unto them who join house to house, who lay field to field, till there is no place that they may be placed alone in the midst of the earth. You say, well, what is that talking about? And You see it in other translations and commentaries. People were motivated by materialism, if you're taking notes. Materialism and temporal gain. That was their motivation. Now, we all have to work. We all need money to live. I know all that. So does God. In fact, in Timothy, he said, it's the love of money that's the root of all. Not money. It's the love of it. And um, here... He was warned. Remember what Jesus said in Luke twelve, 15? I'd offer you a lifesaver, but I need it today. So he simply said, Beware of covetousness, for a man's life does not consist of the abundance of the things he possesses. Now you tell America that today. And every election I've seen for all these years is about the economy. And no one wants to point to the heart. And uh, so, reminds me of of uh, <laughs> people so focused on money. A wealthy man making out his will. Quote, to my cousin Osgood, I leave my stock portfolio Properties on the Outer Cape. To my faithful cook, Minnie, I, ha- I leave my Palm Beach estate. To my nephew, Brutus, who always argued that health is more important than wealth, I leave my sweat socks and jogging shoes. <laughs> uh, poor old Brutus. You got to have some stuff, so we understand that. But America's love affair with materialism is hurting, hurting us. It was a warning from God to Israel. It's a warning from God to the United States. Number two, found in chapter 5, verse 11 and 12. Woe unto them who rise up early in the morning that they may follow strong drink, who continue until night till wine inflames them. And the harp and the lute and the the, uh, timbrel and the flute I didn't mention drums, by the way. No drums in that list. You play drums very well. I was whispering to my wife that today. And I almost told her that I taught you everything you know. But... I did play drums in high school, but not like that. Anyway, I wish you quit getting me off on a tangent so we can pay attention here. He said, Woe to those who continue to rise up early in the morning, go after strong drink and parties, and verse 12. But they regard not the work of the Lord, neither consider the operation of His hands. They don't even think about God. It's all about themselves. Number two, they were in deep pursuit of pleasure, but had no time for God. Even believers can get caught up in this. No time for devotions, no time to teach your children. Might have time to go to church once a month, whether you need it or not. Or maybe you're like the people that said the preacher came over to visit and, and the guy told his wife, Where's the Bible? Where's the Bible? And she said, well, it's over there. And he went over and got it and he picked it up and he went to blow the dust off. No time for God. God warned Israel, you're going the wrong way. And he's warning the United States. Number three, Isaiah 5.18. Are you still with me now? Or are you thinking about something else? Still with me? Isaiah 5.18. Woe well, unto them who draw iniquity with cords of vanity. And sin, as it were, with a cart rope. In other words, number four, or number three, sin was openly practiced and tolerated instead of righteousness. Sin was openly practiced and tolerated instead of righteousness. Ring a bell? Proverbs 14 Verse 34, righteousness exalts a nation. Sin is a reproach to any people, whether it's Israel or the United States. Number four, the fourth woe is found in verse 20. Woe unto them who call evil good and good evil. Who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. They lost their discernment between good and evil. In the last half century, secular humanism has taken over where there is no absolutes. Whatever's right for you may not be right for me. Whatever's wrong for you may not be. It's called situation ethics and it stinks. It ruins families and nations and everything else. And so they lost their discernment between good and evil. And boy, that fits, doesn't it, in the day in which we live. Number five, found in the next verse, verse 21, Woe unto them who are wise in their own eyes and prudent in their own sight. They were blind to their true spiritual condition by arrogance. By arrogance. I think God's getting our attention. We've had a measure of arrogance in this country. And we're just not big enough to shake our fist in God's face and get away with it. Amen? They were blind to their true spiritual condition. Number six. And I want to talk about this for a moment. Isaiah five twenty three. 23. Woe. <clears throat> Actually, uh, woe starts in verse 22. But look at verse 23. Who justify the wicked for reward and take away the righteousness of the righteous from him. It's called perverted justice perverted just there was perverted justice in their land that is a characteristic of societies that have forsaken god listen to isaiah chapter 59 verses 13 through 16 listen closely i say the prophets speak to america quote and judgment is turned away backward and justice standeth afar off. Listen now. He goes on, the scripture goes on to say, for truth has fallen in the street. Everything twists and has a, you know, you hear, hear the news and all that stuff and, and it's spun. You know, it's spun to say, what they wanted to say instead of plain truth. Truth has fallen in the street, equity cannot enter, and the Lord saw it, and it displeased him. Uh, Verse 13, In transgressing and lying against the Lord and departing from our God, speaking oppression and revolt, conceiving and uttering from the heart words of falsehood, and the Lord saw it and it displeased him that there was no man and wondered that there was no intercessor. Wow. Ring, ring, ring the bells. Truth has fallen in the street. Now let's look at the sober warning here given in Leviticus 26. And then we'll see what God did, what he offered to Israel and what he offers to America. Today, Here's a sober warning. Leviticus 26, verse 18, 19, and 20. And if you will not yet for all this hearken unto me, the Lord says, then I will punish you seven times more for your sins. Listen to this statement. And I will break the pride of your power. What is the pride of our power today? It's... The economy God can break that just like this might be military in some people's eyes whatever God says and he's a he says and I will break the pride of your power and I'll make your heaven as iron your earth as bronze and your strength shall be spent in vain for your land shall not yield your increase neither shall the trees of the land yield their fruits and so on it was a sober warning to Israel to come back to the Lord. Like I said, America's not big enough to shake our fist in their hands. So you see the condition, you hear the bells ringing, you know what's going on. What does God offer to Israel and to us today? Now for this, uh, well, first I'm going to read Proverbs uh, 28 and verse 13. And if you're Filling out your notes, this is God's offer of mercy, nationally and individually. I have dealt with God's people for almost 50 years. And I know where the temperature, spiritual temperature of some people begin to go down and down and down, just like the nation. God offers mercy nationally and individually, 28.18, this is what it says. No, not uh, 28.18, 28.13. He that covereth his sins shall not prosper, but whoso confesses and forsakes them shall have mercy. Aren't you glad of that? There's hope for every person who've turned their back on God. My wife and I sing a song called Pick Up the Broken Pieces and Bring Them to the Lord. We've seen God heal hearts, marriages, churches, God's offer of mercy. And now I'm praying awful strong for our country. Okay, here's four things God does to them found in the book of Jeremiah. You need to see this. Jeremiah chapter, um, well, Isaiah and Jeremiah. Isaiah 1.18, the first thing he does, he invites them to reason together. Isaiah 1.18, Come now, let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. We have a reasonable God, don't we? And he pleased with them, he said, come, come, let's reason together. Number two, in Jeremiah 31, verse 2 and 3, he reminds them he still loves them. Thus saith the Lord, the people who were left of the sword found grace in the wilderness in Israel. when, When I went to cause him to rest, the Lord hath appeared of old unto me, saying, yea, I have loved you. With an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness have I drawn thee. Oftentimes God will use discipline because you're his child. When we make poor decisions or do things that are not biblical and we sin, and if we don't, if we don't deal with it and come to the Lord with it, they'll breed discipline. Whom the Lord loveth, he what? He chastens. Hebrews 12, 6. And so I think God's going to chase in America. I think He he already is. But God reminds them He still loves them. And I love this. Jeremiah 33, 3. I call this God's telephone number, by the way. It doesn't start with 308 either. This is His telephone number. Jeremiah 33, 3. Call unto me. And I will answer you and show you great and mighty things which you know not." I became a real believer in prayer. Well, I believed in it anyway. After I was saved, I saw him do so many things, including the miraculous way he led me to that woman. But I remember when I was teaching, uh, a church asked me, I was pastoring a church, and a sister church asked me to come and teach 1 John uh, for a week in the evening, which I did. At the end of one of those sessions, one of the ladies came up, wanted to talk to me and Carol. So Carol and I and this lady went to another room. and The tears just came. She says, I've been married for what, eight years, was it? I don't, I don't remember how long, but they wanted a child so bad, so bad. And she just couldn't have one. So that day, that evening, we all bowed our heads and asked God and his wonderful mercy and loving kindness to grant her, her request. And nine months later, almost to the day, she had a baby boy. <laughs> it was a beautiful story. It made such a difference, this lady's life. But I remember, God answers prayer. He has a telephone number. Call unto me, and I will answer thee. And show thee great and mighty things. So he reminds them that the door is still open if you're taking notes. Call unto me, he said. And God challenges them that he still had a plan and a purpose in Jeremiah 29, verse 11. You've heard these verses uh, before. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. Then shall you call upon me, and you shall go and pray unto me, and I will listen to you. And you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. Do you believe that? Huh? Yeah? So he reminded them he still had a plan and a purpose. And the key is, of course, repentance of sin. That's the key. Well, let's finish this out. Actually, before we do, I have to read this to you. Somebody wrote this, it's anonymous, I don't know who did, but it's about the condition of our beloved America. He says, We have taller buildings but shorter tempers. We have bigger houses and smaller families. More conveniences but less time. We have more degrees but less common sense. Any amen? More knowledge, but less judgment. More experts, but more problems. We have multiplied our possessions, but reduced our values. We've conquered outer space, but not inner space. We've done larger things, but not better things. We've cleaned up the air, but polluted the soul. I like this one. We've learned to rush, but not to wait. We have higher incomes, but lower morals. We become long on quantity, but short on quality. These are times of fast foods and slow digestion, tall men and short character, steep profits and shallow relationships, and then this last thing. It's a time when there is much in the show window, but nothing in the stock room. We are in desperate shape in America. I believe that with all our heart. And the cry goes out to everyone who loves the Lord and loves our country to pray, to pray with all your heart and your soul and your mind, to take any issue in your own life, any sin issue that would block prayers and deal with it. Let's finish this. The same God who offered healing and forgiveness to Israel can send times of refreshing or revival to your heart and to our beloved America. It's happened before, though it's not taught in the public school system. The great revivals that swept across our land in the times past since a nation was born made huge differences. and it can happen again. In 1910, Denver shut down for two hours in the middle of the day, the whole town, so people could pray. Did you know that? Do you see that anywhere in the history book? That's a fact. In Cincinnati, Ohio, it became the first major city to outlaw pornography. That's a fact. Where do you read that? Of course, that was 25 years ago. I don't know if it still is. Revival can happen to your heart, to my heart, to our country. One last thing. What did Jesus pray when he saw Jerusalem? He said, "O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how I would have gathered you, as a hen doth her chicks. Under my wing, as a hen doth her chicks." Then it says this, but you would not. And so even Jesus says, Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden. On the individual level, I think when this happens to God's people, when we get serious about that, then our leaders will reflect the change in America. That's where we need real change in America. Republicans or Democrats are not the hope. The Supreme Court is not the hope. The hope is our Lord Jesus Christ, the power of the Holy Spirit, the magnificence of the Word of God, when people take their walk with Christ and put it into practice daily. Thank you, Lord, for these moments. And I pray if we've done nothing else that we've made a call to pray. And as we sing this song of God Bless America, it's a prayer. Land that I love, stand beside her and guide her through the night with the light from above. That's what we need. Lord, if there's anybody here that has made bad decision and grown cold to you, I pray that this would be a new beginning. There'd be a repentance of that and a calling upon the Lord to forgive And to fill them with purpose and hope and meaning, as Colossians puts it, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's sing that song. Standing, if you would, please. And uh, do we do this Acapulco or do we have music? Okay. God bless America land that I love, stand beside her and guide her through the night with the light from above, from the mountains, to the prairies, to the oceans, white with foam. God bless America, my home sweet home. One more time. God bless America, my home sweet home. God's people said, we have a wonderful nation. We better pray. And pray and pray and be the salt of the earth. There is still time. God bless you. You are dismissed.